0: section 20 of antonia this is a librivox recording all librivox recordings are in the public domain for more information or to volunteer please visit librivox.org read by alroy antonia by george sand translated by george burnham eves chapter 5 part 2 it was the first time that julie had complained of her situation Marcel looked at her attentively, and reflected. You must divert your mind a little. Why don't you go to the play sometimes? But I haven't a box anywhere now. You know very well that I can no longer afford it. An additional reason for going wherever you please. A box by the year is downright slavery. It puts you on exhibition and makes a chaperone a necessity there are some small pleasures which the bourgeois indulge in its small expense and without inconvenient display to-day for instance i am to take my wife to the comédie Française. we have hired a closed box on the ground floor ah oh, what a pleasure it must be to go there you are not seen at all are you you enjoy the play you can laugh or cry without being hooted by the gallery have you a place for me monsieur Thierry? i have two i intended to offer one to my aunt and the other to her son in that case that makes no difference he can go some other day but what will people think to meet you on your solicitor's arm in the foyer or if someone should recognise you sitting beside madame marcel terry what would they say they may say what they please and they will be very absurd if they find anything reprehensible in it That is my opinion, but people are absurd, and they will say that you keep beggarly company. I soften the word out of respect for my wife, for they will say low company. The folly of society is shameful. Your wife is very attractive, I am told, and highly esteemed. I will go to see her tomorrow, for I know that to go to occupy a seat in her box unceremoniously, before asking her permission, would not be proper. Yes, yes, I will call to make her acquaintance, and we will go to the theatre together another day. Marcel smiled, for he thoroughly understood the cowardice which had taken possession of his noble client at the idea of being accused of mixing with low company. She considered it cruel, unfair, insulting, absurd. But she was afraid, none the less. Fear does not reason. Very well, very well. Marcel replied. I recognize your delicacy of feeling and your kind heart. My wife will be grateful to you for the intention, and she will be flattered to offer you her box this very evening. But take my advice, Madame la Comtesse, and do not go outside of your own circle tonight, nor tomorrow, nor ever, unless for some well matured and well digested reason. We must eat when we are hungry but not force ourselves when we have only a suspicion of an appetite. The society to which you belong wants no mixture, and you must not defy it except for some great personal advantage or to do some very good deed. No one will understand that you do something outside of the conventional solely for the pleasure of doing it. They will be surprised, first of all, and then they will look for motives, concealed or serious. And what will they find? said Julie uneasily. Nothing, replied Marcel, but they will invent, and what people invent is always malicious. The result being that I am condemned to solitude. You have accepted it courageously thus far, and you know well that it will cease when you choose. Yes, by marriage, but where am I to find a husband? to fill the conditions demanded by the world and by me? Consider, he must be wealthy, so you yourself say, noble, according to my friends, and I myself insist that he must be agreeable, and a man made to be loved. I shall not find him, you know, and I shall do better." Julie dared not finish her thought. Marcel thought that he ought not to question her. There was a pause embarrassing to them both. Then Julie exclaimed abruptly, Oh, mon Dieu, do not think that I am tempted to be false to my duty and to enter into a frivolous liaison. I was thinking, I must tell you, I was thinking that I should do better to desire an obscure marriage in which I might find happiness. Obscure, said Marcel, that depends on what you mean by the word. You must insist upon wealth in any event, for I warn you that if you hold your rank cheap, the Estrelle family will abandon you to your destruction. Well, what then? What then? Why, if the husband of your choice is poor and you bring him debts, ah, yes, you are right. I increase his poverty with all my wretchedness and all the dangers that are hanging over me. I did not think of that. You see what a weak head mine is? Look you, Monsieur Thierry, there are days when I would like to be dead, and you do wrong not to take me to the play. I feel very depressed this evening, and I would like to be able to forget that I exist. Is it as bad as that? rejoined Marcel hastily, terrified by her distressed expression. In that case, put on a very thick black veil and a very full black cape, I have a cab below, we will call for my wife, to whom I will explain your woman two words, and we will go to hear Polyact, which will change the current of your thoughts. Hurry, for if someone comes you won't be able to go out. Julie jumped for joy like a child. She quickly transformed herself into a nun, dismissed her servants for the evening, and went with Marcel, half-pleased, half-frightened and as excited as if this escapade with the solicitor and his wife were an adventure big with fate and madame thierry she said when they were in the cab madame thierry we will leave her where she is said marcel nothing has been said to her about going and she would delay us while dressing besides i should prefer if you are to be recognized in spite of all our precautions That you should not be seen with a woman who has a grown-up son of whom i may say parenthetically uncle antoine has been exceedingly jealous mine is only a little law student in embryo barely twelve years old we will take him and that will make our bourgeois and patriarchal party complete they arrived at marcel's house he ran upstairs leaving julie alone in the tightly closed cab He soon came down again with his wife and son. Madame Marcel Thierry was very much frightened, but, like a sensible woman, she made no apologies, and in a very few moments fell entirely at ease with the amiable Julie, who, on her side, found her a pleasant and sensible companion. They left the cab just before they reached the line of people waiting to purchase tickets, walked to the theatre and passed in without meeting any spying or inquisitive persons. They were ushered into a very dark box, where Madame Marcel and her little boy took their places in front to conceal Madame destrel and the solicitor. They enjoyed the tragedy extremely. Julie had never taken so much pleasure in a performance. She had a feeling of greater mental freedom, and that middle-class family interested her deeply. She watched them curiously, as types entirely unfamiliar to her, and although they were a little self-conscious in her presence, she surprised diverse little loving tokens between the husband and wife and child, which went to her heart. At the interesting passages of the play, Madame Marcel would turn to her husband and say in an undertone, Can you see, my dear, my bonnet isn't in your way? No, no, my girl don't worry about me, enjoy yourself all you can. And the child applauded when he saw the pit applaud. He would clap his little hands with an air of importance, then suddenly throw himself on his mother and kiss her, which meant that he was enjoying himself immensely, and that he thanked her for bringing him there. All those simple ways of middle-class life, the familiar form of address, the endearing epithets, vulgar if you please, but sacred, aroused in Julie sometimes an inclination to laugh, sometimes a wave of emotion which brought tears to her eyes. Of course, it would all be considered execrable form in her circle. It was the way that inferior people talked and acted. Marcel, when in Madame Estrelle's salon, readily adopted the manners and language of a man who is able to conform to what is considered proper in all ranks of society in his own family he laid aside that conventional manner and without ever being vulgar he resumed the familiar tone of happy domesticity thus julie surprised him oblivious of his ceremonious manner and living for his own enjoyment a sweet trustful unconstrained life she was distressed and delighted at the same time and little by little she reached the point where she said to herself that those people were in the right, and that all husbands and wives ought to call each other thou, all children to throw their arms about their mother's necks, and all spectators to be interested in the performance. In the circle in which she lived, people always addressed one another as you, they had no simple phrases that came from the heart, they emasculated every noble sentiment. Refinement was the most essential point in speech, and dignity in endearments. The heart entered into them only in a subordinate capacity, and its effusions must be concealed beneath a certain frigid or absurdly symbolical gloss. Admiration for genius must never become enthusiasm. They enjoyed or appreciated their words were carefully confined within certain bounds in short they made it a point not to display emotion on any subject and with a perpetual little smile of the grace that accompanies noble birth they became so charming that they ceased to be human madame d'estrel realized all these things for the first time and was deeply impressed by them little julio who was so called to distinguish him from Master Julian, whose godson he was, had an interesting face. He was a funny little rascal, with a shrewd face, turned-up nose, keen eye, and sly mouth, and had the artless and cunning self-possession of a schoolboy in vacation. Had he been disguised as a great nobleman, he would never have been confounded with the too-pretty and too-polished little men who are all covered with the same aristocratic varnish. Julio had his coating of caste, to be sure, but of that peculiar shading which the bourgeois' mind does not seek to efface, because in that social stratum every one has to exist by his own exertions, and to make a place for himself with the aid of the means which are at his command. Thus the child had a biting wit, combined with a certain innocent curiosity which denoted the freshly ground parisian inquisitive and loquacious credulous and shrewd all at once in order not to expose madame d'estrel's name to the possible consequences of his chatter in the office he had been told that she was a client from the country newly arrived in paris who had never been to the theatre before And as Julie enjoyed questioning him, he did the honours of the capital city and the stage, between the acts. He pointed out the king's box to her, and the pit, and the chandelier. He even explained the play and the relative importance of all the characters. End of section twenty.